so we have a project. We have a project. We call it OM Champion Project. Dans le paquet, il n'est pas si bien en jeu face à Joël Bach et ça va être le but de Bruce Wallet But de Wallet 1-0 pour l'Olympique de Marseille Hello, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year from the Marseille View. I'm Stefan and I'm hosting tonight. Um, and this is our New Year special in which we'll be reviewing our efforts so far in this 2021-2022 season. So as part of our mid-season review, we'll be looking back on our results, our form, and assessing the tops and flops of the campaign so far. Uh, as always, um, should we get a little time at the end, we'll be looking at the January transfer window and what to expect because there's quite a lot of rumours out there already. Um, so joining me in this task is uh, Julian. How are you, Julian? Hi, Steph. Uh, hi, Alex. Hi, everyone. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good uh, trying to stay a bit uh, hidden from all these uh, COVID uh, uh, worries around. But otherwise, everything is fine. Thank you. Brilliant. Uh, and also we've got Alex. How are you, mate? Hi, Stefan. Yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm in Marseille right now and I was lucky enough to, uh, to go to the last OM game. And, you know, it might be uh, the last one with a full stadium for, for quite a while. So, so, yeah, at least I got a bit of the atmosphere. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think what we're going to do right, is we'll just do a bit of a quick recap of um, the recent game. So I think since the last time we podcasted, we were up against, oh, I can't even remember now, to be honest, our last game. It was before the Cannes game. There was, yeah, so we, we did Strasbourg and uh, I think that was the Cannes game and then we had Reims at home. Yeah, so um, I think maybe we'll just do a quick sort of um, recap of those games. So I think in the Cup we won 4 1, didn't we, against Cannes, um, which was pretty kind of. I don't want to say too much about that game because it's kind of, sort of a low-level um, team in the cup um, and we had a very much a different 11, but like a kind of result on paper anyway that you would expect, you know, a sort of convincing victory. But then we went to um, play Reims in the, the last game before the Christmas break, and which is going into this game is quite an important game, I guess, because, you know, we had this, we've got this game in hand. Um, it's a chance to kind of sort of cement our second place, but we sort of, failed a little bit didn't we we were disappointed and uh, unable to to get the three points um what are your thoughts guys we'll start with you Alex because you were at that game and I guess you can probably tell us better than anyone about what you saw sure well first thing on on the Kane game I think one of the interesting thing is that he played uh well Milik which was good and he scored a lot of goals but then he played Gendouzi and Payet pretty much the entire game and you know, like, you, know we, you could see after in the Reims game that we lacked a bit of, 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 of legs and a bit of energy. And it was another another thing that you just wonder with some power. Like why did you play your your star players for 90 minutes in, in the cup game? And I think that was that was quite important because uh, definitely lacked a bit of gas at the end of the of the Reims game. Um but yeah, game, games against Reims. Look, I think I think it was a, a good summary of the season, especially at home, where 
Um, we dominated quite a lot the first half, dominated the ball, um, created some chances, but not not amazing chances, not can't miss chances. Um, uh, but it was a really good performance in, in, in the first half. And then in the second half, as always, um, start to lose a bit of, of energy, lose, to be, lose a bit of quickness and, and they counter this and, and find a way to, to score one goal and they should have scored another penalty. And thankfully, with a bit of luck, we, we equalised at the end. But technically, we, we should have lost. And, and I would say overall, tactically, it's kind of a, a, a lost game for Sampaoli against the, the Reims coach. Um, I think to, to restart a bit of the game, what was interesting is, is our lineup. I think it was a bit different compared to, to usually because we had basically Payet as the left wing. And it's something we haven't seen with Sampaoli at all. Payet was always number 10, if not false nine. So he decided to play um, Payet on the left. And and what happened is Payet was always coming back as 10 and we had nothing coming from, from the left. So uh, uh, that's where you'd see one of the first problems with the Sampaoli team is we had nobody on the left to come and give crosses to Milik, which is what he needs. Um, then second thing is on the right we had uh, we had um, under but under just came back from from injury and he, he liked the sharpness he liked the speed he, he liked you know the kind of uh, electric kind of style that he usually has and because of that we we, we really struggled to to create chances and because of the way Sampali works without any proper, you know, right back and and left back, which can, you know, go forward and cross, we didn't create much from from the sides. Um, and then Milik, who is a guy who just, you know, uh, strive on crosses, didn't really have the opportunity that they would need. Um, so it was a bit of a bit of a strange uh, strange setup by Sampali in the end, and and. But on the plus side from Sampali, what was, what was interesting is that you could see that Reims really saw our games and he saw we have our, our back four with, you know, we're always striving to build from, from the right with Rongier. So they really try to press Saliba not to pass to Rongier. Or well, as soon as Rongier got the ball to press him really hard. Well, that's where you see all the work from Sampaoli. We always find a way to build from the right anywhere with some really good rotation movement with Genduzi, with Under, sometimes with Camara. So you could see all the work that Sampaoli does in the build-up, in the structure of the team. But as always, it's the last third that just lack a bit of sharpness, of, of speed, of, of logic sometimes. And at the end, it was a, it was a disappointing result. Okay. How was the um, the atmosphere, uh, Alex? Uh, how did you like the um, like? How, how, how was your ex experience as a as a yeah. as a watcher? As there? a fan, yeah, yeah. No, look, it, it was it was great to start with. Like, you could see everybody is 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 really happy with the results. Um, there was a real burst to to the game. Maybe we could finish second, uh, you know, before before the, the the break and there was a great atmosphere everybody was there but then when the game started everybody was okay in the first half but you could feel the fans starting to go like it, it we're not playing on ball here you know we're not tr trying to we, we shouldn't try just to pass the ball around the, the opposition box and and not create anything so people are actually feeling a bit frustrated with the style and 
when you think of OM, you think of droit au but, you think of direct, aggressive, punchy, uh, you know, uh, taking risks uh, in terms of, uh, of style. And, and the Sampaoli style is not quite doing that. And, you know, it's something that we can talk a bit, a, a bit later in, in this podcast. But we, we change from having the ball to try to create chances to a team that is now having the ball not to concede. And that's not quite the Marseille mentality. So you could feel the disappointment, the frustration, in, especially in the second half. And when the other team uh, scored and really struggled and got the, a red card against us. And yeah, it was a, a lot of frustration and hopefully a good explosion as we had a penalty in the, in the dying second of the game, which was, you know, it was a penalty, but, you know, he, he, referee could have easily not uh, not, not given it. So um, um, everybody was quite relieved at the end, but still disappointed as we, we just struggle we struggle at home with that style. It's just not quite working. Yeah. Well, to to be fair, f- things didn't really go away either because we couldn't score, and then like uh, Rhin scored basically at a very bad moment, and then then I guess the the fans started to get very frustrated because we just we just couldn't score, and we were just like like quite you know not very dangerous at all. It was not a good game. And, yeah. and and I would add, so it's, it's just on, on the way that the game, the, the, I think the, the Reims coach uh, saw the game. You really try to to put a team in the first half that would be compact. And the forward, all they did was just pressuring our, our, our central defender on, on the build-up so we couldn't at least try to, to, to block our build-up. They really worked really hard as a team, but they didn't try to attack at all. And then in the second half, as always, our team started to get a bit tired and he put his best striker in, uh, Ekitike, which is player, to be, to be honest, I, I didn't know before this game, but you could see the stat that he was their best player. And straight away, he came in with a full speed, he attacked our back line nonstop with a lot of really good timely runs. And then, you know, he had a couple like that and he scored a goal. He could have scored another one. He could have had a penalty. So tactically, the Reims coach, totally, you know, outplayed some Pauli on this game. And it's always the same kind of thing that repeats where we dominate the first half, struggle to score, and in the second half we get counters and and struggle, like against Brest lately. So always the same. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of interesting what you were saying about the game, about how, um, Alex, about how it kind of like is a good, a good sort of um, example of how the season's gone. But I think definitely like if you for those that are feeling quite negative about the season, um, maybe it's a good time to sort of kind of move on then to um, to talk about the, to, to look at the sort of mid-season review. Because just on that point, I was thinking that like, you know, the idea that we're not playing the kind of football um, that sort of fits with the philosophy of OM, you know, the sort of lack of like, penetration in our game, but at the end of the day, we're still we're going into like the winter break in a, a excellent position, aren't we? Um, and to be honest, it looks like you know, looking at the table, we could be in line for probably our best finish in years if it continues like this. So there's, I guess, there's kind of you know, there's there's very much two ways of looking at things. I know we're sitting in third place, but we, you know, we there's a, a well. We should, we, if we win our game in hand, we, we go second. Um, so yeah, so there's definitely two ways of looking at things um, so far. So so yeah, um, I mean just to like sort of get your thoughts to start off, I'll just um, kind of 
to, for the listeners, like just looking given the context. So right currently we are actually 18 games into the season, so we're not actually at OM's mid-season point, but because it's the winter break, um, I think it's the, it's the only time really we can sort of do this sort of episodes because it's the mid-season for everyone else. But we we're a game below because of the Leon game getting um, cancelled last time or postponed or whatever, suspended is, is the correct word. Um, so we're still waiting to sort of re, to replay that. Um, so we're 18 games in and we're sitting in third place, joint joint second really with Nice. We're behind on on goal difference, but with that game in hand, you know if we pick up any points, then then we're in second place. Um, so yeah, so like going into um, the the winter break, but this is despite the the last game being a bit of a disappointment, we're actually in a pretty solid position. Um, what how are you feeling so far about the season? Like, um, you know, sort of just generally speaking, like, are you impressed with what you've seen so far? I'll start with you, Julian. Um, yeah, well, um, I might I might start to to be a part of a, like a mi- minority voice, but um, personally, I f- I still feel pretty good. Um, even though, for example, what Alex uh, summed up about the last game is very true, and and uh, the problems we have in the last third of the pitch is a real problem, but um. Personally, I, I I still see what Sampaoli uh, want to do, and um, it's just that yeah, it doesn't it doesn't work like uh, when it comes to scoring goals, and that's a problem. We don't score any, enough goals, we don't get enough chances. Um, personally, the whole uh, the whole like uh, thing that we should play very attacking or etc. Um, yeah, I can I, I can understand also criticism about that, but um. I don't think it's exactly the sort of football we've seen at Marseille, anyway, since a very long time. Um, with Sampaoli, he he keeps on saying that he doesn't that he doesn't like so much this sort of transition game, um, as we call it as we call it in French. I guess it's the same in English, like this sort of very direct, rapid, mostly counter-attacking game that uh, that he thinks we see a lot uh, in Ligue 1. A lot of the teams are, are like that, especially when they play against sure. bigger teams like uh, like us or. Um, or Paris, etc. Um, and uh, so I think Sampaoli kind of made a choice. Like he chose that, okay, since we can't have, apparently for different reasons, we can't have, we won't be able to have all the season this sort of flamboyant football we saw. Maybe he thought like like physically the players will not manage or or that we were um, we were just like conceding too many goals or etc. So I think he he realized that maybe around the Angers game or or s- somewhere around that time, if you guys remember. And um, and then like he he went for another strategy. He was like, okay, then like let's let's have a, let's be in, in possession of the ball and uh, let's try to 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 pass very well and let's try to open up the defense and uh, and eventually anyway like be in control of the game and etc. And uh, as Alex has said many times, and I I, I think I, I I agree with him, it's like it's in my opinion at least mostly working. Um, but in the last third and the the key moment, which of course is the hardest in football, which is scoring goals, so far for different reasons, it doesn't work out as well as it should. And I understand that that you know it frustrates people, and that's what um, because football is about scoring goals. Um, but personally, I still think we 
we might get there. And even if we don't exactly get there, it might still be enough uh, to to finish top three, which which f for me would be uh, for this season, which I personally saw uh, earlier on as a transition season, even though I had quite uh, high hopes too. Uh, but I also thought, okay, it's a transition season. If we finish top three, I'm satisfied. And if 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 Sampaoli gets us there, I I'll think he's, he 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 would have done his part of the job very well, in my opinion. Okay, uh, Alex, what about you? Um, are you um, still feeling quite overall quite um, hard on on how th on the coach and how things are going? Or no, is look, that, is that um, your opinion? No, well, like, like I said in in the just previous podcast, yeah, I'm I'm seventy percent happy. And 30%, I just do not understand at all what's going on. So, <laughs> um, what, what was interesting, I think, I think so far in the first half of the season is, is some kind of a, a switch of, of style. So I think for me, the way I see that the last game was was key. So before we started with three defenders in a build-up, and the three defenders, you know, you had um, Balerdi, which is really good passer. You know, he could really find our wingers or Payet right in the middle with some really clever passes, but not as strong defensively as a Chalete Shah. Um, and then we had Luan Perez and Saliba who were taking a lot of risks and just carrying the ball. So basically the, the whole base of the team was these, these back three trying to open up things to find, you know, all the other seven players pretty much behind the, the first uh, or second line of defense. And, you know, it was very direct until at least to that point, and it was very attacking. And you know, there was some counter attack against us, and that, especially against that, that game against Lance, where they they pressure our, our three central defenders really well, and they find a way to to you know get these balls quickly and counter attack and really hurt us. And 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 then we lost that game. And and from that game, he totally switched the the way from that that back three with a very uh, you know attacking minded to a back four which is really more cautious so instead of finding that through ball or carrying the ball uh, themselves well, our back four is really trying to go around the defense and especially on that right side again with with rangier and it's a lot more cautious these four defenders stay there for for the start of that build up but then obviously, so you have more and more defenders in case you lose the ball, but you have also one less, you know, attacker or midfielder to pass the ball to. And I think that the mindset totally switched and we went from trying to have a lot of control of the ball to score to trying to have a lot of control of the ball not to concede. And that was the time just before the game against uh, Lazio, Paris, Nice and so on. So I do understand why he went for... Uh, you know, a, a, a more uh, cautious approach. Um, but since then, you know, in in a lot of games, at least games at home, I don't find find them usually very, uh, you know, uh, fun to watch. But the results are there. There were some games away where you know, because we we tend to be a bit more counter attackers, they're, they're a bit more fun and speed to it, which which were fun to watch. But at home, it was very cautious and. You could see game against Paris. Maybe we should have pushed a bit more and tried to get the win. Um, there's a lot of game like against Brest or Reims, the one we saw, where we didn't really attack with the full, you know, width or, or risks or speed. 
and and at the end you just have a lot of the ball, a lot of the possession, but you just don't win. So look, results have been really good overall. I, I do love 70% of the the slow build up and the way you could see where you know San Paoli has done a lot of work on this, I think is is very obvious. Um but at the end it's still the same problem. Uh the attack is is not quite clicking, at least at home. Um when you play away, you, you can play a bit more speed with like a Jeng and so on. So we play a bit more counter-attack and it any work. But at home, that's where is, is the key, is the thing that we, we need to see for the second part of the season, what will happen, who will who we will recruit, what change will will be made, how we'll include Milik or not, or another left winger and so on. I think that that's the key for us to get that third place at the end of the season. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think same for me, like uh, I'm a bit like you. I'm a bit split, Alex. Like I, I do think that the the on paper, like the things are looking good. They're looking strong. Um, we're in a much better position than we've been in in most seasons, to be honest. Um, as long as I've followed OM, um, so that's really like five years, which <laughs> is pretty depressing. But um, yeah, the. But yeah, to be honest, the football isn't wowing me. I'm I'm not really enjoying watching the games that much this season. I'm a little bit bored in moments, especially lately in the last couple of months. Um, and that's pretty shit. Um, especially if you think that throughout the pandemic, we we were watching games with no fans, and then the return of fans was something to be excited about. And here we are. Um, in a season that's well up, up until now, it's kind of going pretty close to normal. And um, I'm watching games recently, and I'm just like, I'm just not really getting like moved by any of it. Um, and that's like really largely down to the the football, um, and yeah, the kind of rhythm that we're playing at. So yeah, it's a little bit sort of underwhelming. Um, but yeah, I recognise that the the results are the most important thing, aren't they? Um, but as long as we, again, just to repeat what you're saying, as, as long as we finish in the top three at the end of the season, I'll be happy. You know, we need to get those sort of Champions League spots. We need the money. Possible. Yeah, we need, exactly. <laughs> it's not not because I, I have any desire to watch us go into the Champions League and get thumped every single game, like the last two, <laughs> two or three occasions. But it's like we need the money, basically. Because so, if you get the Champions League football, it means that you can keep your players, your best players, and, and potentially or add exactly. to the squad. If you don't get the Champions League, all we know this over the years. It always means you have to sell some of your best players um, to to satisfy the the DNCG or or, or, or whoever, right? But there's no just, way around that in the in the current uh, no modern I, football. If if you want to be a not even a dominant team, but let's say a team who's like in the top thirty in in Europe, top twenty five, top thirty, you. You have to be regular in in Champions League group. There. Yeah, there's just no way around that. Yeah, and it, it, especially if we have another after season without fans or something like that. You know, it's it's not yeah. impossible to have something like this. And you know, in terms of the financial, it would would hurt a lot of French teams, uh, especially with a lower TV uh, money compared to what they hoped for uh, before. Yeah. Yeah, and I think um, even if you're going into the Champions League every year just to get thumped, like as long as you're getting in it every year, that's still eventually, you know, that money still you're still getting that money, and hopefully you eventually acclimatise to the the, totally. the the tournament. And you you know, if you look at team like Ajax, Ajax were getting in every other 
most years, um, for a number of years, not doing very well since the late nineties or whatever, you know, and and eventually they're kind of got a good project going and they're a great team and they're actually getting into the tournament and and um, you know performing. So like I think as long as you're getting in, and I, I mean maybe that's not the best example, but I'm sure that there's quite a few clubs like that that are kind of you know that we could be looking at and trying to sort of emulate um in terms of like similar stature financially and, and stuff that um yeah as long as i think just get in the tournament every year and just sort of keep things ticking over and hopefully eventually we we can actually start building upon something um but, but, but yeah, so, even, even just finishing third because then you go into uh europa yeah. league and that that's the After only Christmas. real pre- <laughs> yeah only real prestigious uh competition that we can we have a chance to win, basically. Well, <laughs> I, w- I would be, be delighted to win the Europa League. I've, I've loved this competition since I was very young. So uh, just, you know, being in the Champions League, having the money, finishing third and going far in Europa League would be a great season. So, yeah, that's what we hope for. <laughs> so um, just I'm going to come back to Europe in a minute. Um, but, yeah, just um, staying on the league for now, um, I was just thinking about, like, what are the kind of, like, sort of key moments or games that you've seen so far? Um, if there's one or two that we kind of touched upon actually already, just I was thinking of. So you mentioned the Lens game. I think that was quite a significant game, not just yeah. because of like the sort of tactical revolution or ta- evolution, sorry, of the of the team, um, mm. but um, also the the result and 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 the fact that this was one of our main competitors for a podium finish, and we we kind of fucked, we got beat, didn't we? Um, you know, I think that game was quite a significant game, but actually a game, obviously the last game against Hans as well, potentially could could could, could turn out to be. But actually one of the, the games I just wanted to highlight was the Bordeaux game early mm. on in the season. I think that was a, right at the start. It was a, a game that we should have been picking up three points easily because Bordeaux were in such a mess and we didn't. Um, and I just sort of I hope that isn't going to come back to become a, a significant game, um, a, a, a regret. Um, those are kind of all sort of negative examples, but I think like there's you know some some really solid performances as well throughout the season, um, or at least very like I say solid, like not like spectacular, but a number of like solid outings that we've had recently. I'm trying to think of one to highlight. It's probably not away was really yeah, good. Not, yeah, exactly. One or, or, or win at, at Rennes was also uh, quite nice, yeah. like because we know Rennes will be most probably True. will be will be quite um quite dangerous this season so so even though personally i don't think that they, they, they'll be in the top three but um they won't be far away either so it yeah. was a good game it was solid but it's true it, it was even that one was not spectacular by any means no we, we, did, we did the job basically which we i, I, I think I, we, we actually a lot, lot more fun away from them because the game at monaco yeah. was brilliant yeah. like you know we played really well and then very direct to the end encounter attack that was really fun to watch. The game at Nantes was a bit the same, where you know tried to play fast ball and it was low movement and stuff. So it's at home where the other team just you know compact in their box or park the bus and we're just not finding a way to to break that really. Actually, no. I remember also. I'm, I'm looking at the calendar and the the first game of the season. Uh... At Montpellier was uh, yeah that was fun was fun it was a fun game yeah yeah it it's pretty it, when you have to think about the best moment because it was the first one so yeah so if that, do you think 
you know, Sorry. if that becomes the best, if, if that actually becomes the the best game of the season, it will it's a bit of a of an anticlimax <laughs> in a way. But um, but it was a nice game. Do you think that was that game was the game that was most well? We were more similar to what we saw last season under Sampaoli, no? Um, yeah, exactly. Exciting, like going all the yeah. way. You should lead and lose two 0 and then come back. It was what we expected this season. <laughs> yeah, at, at least it was most maybe like what we saw quite much during the preseason. Yeah, um, because last season with Sao Paulo, also he, he 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 had to he had to deal with what with what he had at at, at hand, you know, with with the players he had. So so. Um, yeah, but in a way, he was also trying to play his game. Yeah, it's true. The end of last season. Yeah, yeah, it's true. He was already trying to to show his philosophy. It didn't. Yeah. It didn't always work out. It was. It was not pretty many times. But but you, you could see the the intentions. But to be a bit more positive, like I, I know we we we've said that like quite many times. But personally, when I see this our team play, even though um, there is a lot to not to be satisfied about. I don't see a team who who has lost uh, confidence in uh, in in its coach personally. I don't see a team who's who doesn't believe anymore in Sao Paulo and and that's personally what I think. But what do you guys think? Like uh, I agree. Yeah. Do you think do. some do you think some players are are are, um, are already a bit worried or do you think there has been some some dressing room problem? We know about the camera. Amavi. With, 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 with Kamara or with Amavi, etc. Do you think also there could be something a bit in the in in the dressing room that, that could also explain why um, why some things just go our way? What do you guys think? Uh, personally, I, th- I think it's fine. Look, there'll be some players who, who are not playing too much. And it's true that some of the choices of some Pauli in terms of players are, you know, Get your head scratching a little bit, like just wondering what what is going on with some, you know, Luis Enrique on the side never played, or Balerdi was the starter and hasn't played at all, pretty much. You know, there was a, a lot of uh, strange decision. But in the same time, as you see against Reims, you know, we were down down to ten men and didn't create any chance, but we still kept on fighting and find a way to get a penalty. So I think that was the best example to show that the team is still motivated. You could see the Ganduzi, the Payet, the Rongier, which are for me the three leaders of this team. They And they just bring the whole team along. So the, the energy is there. I think they like having the ball. They like to, to play not quite attacking, but controlling football. And they like to try to to create. I think they just need to find that, that solution against the bus defense and uh, everything would be perfect. But they're still motivated. They're still fighting. I still feel like it's a unit uh, working together. I have the same opinion, yeah. Okay. Um, just thinking about um, some other... Um, key moments in the season uh that's the best way to describe what i was going to mention but yeah clearly there's been a lot of uh unusual incidents this season which which isn't unusual (laughs) for marseille because you know anyone who listens to this podcast over the last three years since we've been running um is uh knows that we spend probably just as much time often talking about um, things that aren't actually games <laughs> but um, although things have been quite stable off the pitch um, this season I think um, 
Yeah. Um, really since Longoria came in um, as president, but things have been quite stable off the pitch. But no invasion of the training centre, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but things we've like seen that. actually, like, we spent a lot of time talking about, like, fan trouble and, and sanctions and things this season. So um, we've definitely not, still not been um, um, shy of any sort of controversy. Um, yeah, as always. Um, just thinking, like, yeah, what we've seen, so all the kind of various in- incidents with crowd troubles. Um, what are we, what I don't know, like, what do have we got any thoughts on what we can expect, um, for the the remainder of the season around that, or um, or yeah, or do you think we're going to see more and more of this? And and actually, like, do you think, um, because we haven't really seen much at home, like, so usually we, so we've been the how would you say the victims, I suppose, in in opponents' grounds, but. Do you think it's a matter of time before something happens at the velodrome in quite a serious sense? And, and the, the difference you have in the velodrome is that the security is quite good. Um, it, it, it's a lot, you know, stricter than what you have in other stadiums. Like when you have in the Virage, uh, you can't have bottles. There's no bottles in the Virage. Uh, obviously, they could still smuggle a bottle or two, but it's not the same as Nice or, or Lyon. All the Virage, they, they all could could have the plastic bottles. Um, also, we have the, the kind of grey to, to protect the players, and we have also, like, uh, some guys ready to protect the, 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 the guy who, the, the opposing, uh, opponent uh, kicker for, like, a corner kick and so on. So we have some protection there if needed. So, you know, because we are the most, let's say, passionate fans in the country and, and our security knows how we could explode but actually the, the fans are in general fairly disciplined for uh, for such a, a passionate crowd uh, what you see in the other stadium like nice uh, lyon and so on they didn't have any of these production and any any of these regulation any of these these special care in the security so yes it could happen at marseille but we have made some some work ahead of, of these other clubs and hopefully this will continue could I have a could I have a word about the? Um, it's a bit of a of a digression, but could I have a word about the last decision of the uh, of the French Federation of Football uh, after the incident that happened in the in the cup? Yeah. I don't know if if our listeners are aware of that. Of uh, so there has been big problems between um, between uh, Lyon and um, Paris uh, Paris FC uh, in Paris, and then in the end, like okay, so the the decision has been that both both teams were were banned. Uh, this season from um, from the cup and etc and over dis- discipline, disciplinary measures which were quite strong I think they were globally uh, understandable and in my opinion not too strong but one thing really annoyed me was the fact that uh, because um, neither Paris nor uh, Lyon were qualified uh, Nice was automatically qualified which means that in uh, in the next round which means that they they won't have to play the next cup game, and I think that that gives them a big advantage in the league too against all the other opponents. And when you know what has happened at Nice this 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 season, in the fact that in my opinion the 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 price they had to pay was ridiculously small, and we we won't again go into that that debate. But and of course I'm biased, of course as a Marseille supporter. But you know, in the end, I, I find it, I find it very annoying that like uh, Nice won't have to play uh, 
around and they are automatically through because they will be able to they don't even have Europe so they will be able to rest their players uh, much better than than Rennes than us than anyone else and I think that's not fair so you know, that that's all I wanted to say about that decision mm, yeah fair enough yeah I agree um I, I I don't think there's any point in us talking about the Europa League because I think we talked about it last the last episode didn't we we kind of gave a sort of summaries of well, our views on how we thought the campaign had gone. Um, so I was thinking maybe we could just do some tops and flops. Like if anyone wants to like um, mention about which players they think have done particularly have done as well have done as right this season, and who's kind of been a disappointment for us. Um, who wants to go first? Um, I'll start, and it's it's hard not to mention Payet. He's been by far the best player in our team. I think he was pretty much the best player at every game we've played this year. Um, he's just totally, uh, he's been totally rejuvenated by Sampaoli. It's one of the things that we need to put in credit of Sampaoli, like turning Payet from, you know, uh, a, a total, um, let's say, disappointment to be to be kind uh, of the Payet of last year. Turn him around and he's now the, pretty much the best player in the league, you could almost argue. Um, and that's just because he, he he put him in his best position, which is number 10. He, he, and even, actually, Paye is even doing a lot of work defensively now compared to what he used to do before. But just putting him in number 10 as the key player, you're my guy, just create everything, make it happen, have fun. It's just exactly what's happening. He's just there between the line finding pocket of space and then getting these through balls to our wingers or to the number nine and so on. He's just loving every second of it. And the guy is, what, like 34 or 35? And when he plays like this, 34, yeah, you think he can still play another couple of seasons (laughs) if he continues like this. Uh, Let's see the second half of the season. You never know with him. But, uh, yeah, he, he was immense so far this season. He was immense. Alex, I'm just going to interrupt you, sorry, and just um, just you just reminded me. Just well, everyone should be reminded of this. Um, while he's not the not here tonight, <laughs> just to 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 um, give him a slap on the wrist. Um, if I remember when we were doing our end of season review last year. Ben was um, was quite clear that he was done with Payet and, he, and he, <laughs> he had no place left in the team, and he wanted them to go in the summer. So if I remember. I was close to say the same. He was a. At some point, I mean, he was a bit embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. I honestly think that he he was depressed. You look at him. He was ten kilo overweight. Didn't know what to do. Couldn't even score a penalty. Um, he just didn't look himself at all. And that's why, you know, in a way, we criticize San Pauli for a lot of things. We need to realize that he he, he turned the, the most talented player in our team, but who was completely almost lost for football. And it turned him to be pretty much the best player in the league. And I think that's, that's an amazing achievement. Um, so, yeah, no, it's, it's true. So we'll have to, we'll have to remind uh, Ben about that. <laughs> See what he said. Um, I think, you know, in terms of, uh, I, I would like just to add uh, Under as well, because I didn't have a lot of expectation of Under. And he still can be very, very frustrating at times. But, why he does when he when he's fit and he, he wasn't fit the last few games to come back from injury but when he's fit his he, speed his his quickness and his shot or cross are, are really good and he's pretty much the only speed guy 
we have in in the first team okay sometimes you put conrad but the, the end product is not quite there but l- like on on uh, on wednesday none of the guy up front and even in the mission none of them had any kind of speed apart from munda and he, he brings something that that we didn't have any I, I think it's a a great substitute from what was the the, the last year of, of tova it's it's a great um improvement for the squad so i think undo was really good obviously genduzi saliba i'm not going to mention them it's just you know it's, it's the most too obvious and uh i could mention paul lopez but i think stefan will, will get a little bit uh, frustrated after a while but uh, paul lopez has been a good surprise as well <laughs> yeah paul lopez paul lopez <laughs> i didn't hear him like no of course it's just that it's been impressive, especially if you if you think the the way we build up now is is getting even more higher up. So he's doing pretty much the, the what was the central defender before. He's just pretty much going there and spread the other two central defenders away. And you know it, it's something that not a lot of keepers do well. So um, you know he has some some skills which are which are interesting. Now personally, the reason why also I say yeah, Paul Lopez is. I was getting tired of uh, of Mondanda, even though we should respect the guy. But I think he's got a lot of respect in the in the team. But I was getting tired of Mondanda, like by his performances, by being too irregular, especially having one season off and one season uh, one good season again. And I felt I don't know why for some reason I was a bit afraid this season would be again a, a bad season. Hard to tell why he's a one in two lately. But and also like I think. Um, the way he has, from the echoes I've heard, like the way he has behaved after he's lost his spot was not exactly the kind of, um, of, uh, of behavior I would expect from someone who is a legend at the club and etc. Apparently, like he would not train much. He would refuse to, to warm up properly before the games. He would, etc. like behave like a bit like offended, like, oh my God, they're taking my, my spot away. And well, exactly for me. That's not uh, the reaction I expected from a legend uh, at, 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 this, uh, at this club. And that's also maybe a reason why, even though I, will, I, I have a lot of respect for his career and for, for his performance at OM, I will n- never rank Mandanda maybe as high as, as some of her like, true legends, personally. So maybe, you know, but so, sorry, I went a bit off track because it's actually not even a, a flop or anything. It's just... Um, I just thought about that when 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 we talked about Paul Lopez, who, who because also I didn't like the way Paul Lopez was treated at first when he went to replace Mandanda, where where lots of people were were criticizing him f- for you know for breathing. There was too much, and any mistake he would do, uh, people were. Are you talking about Stefan? Eh? <laughs> no, not only. No, my God, it was not only Stefan. <laughs> it was not. There were so many people after him, and and i thought it was ah, kind of uh, i thought it was quite quite unfair really like considering the guy has a, had an enormous pressure to to step in the shoes of uh, of a guy who has who has i don't remember something like over 400 games at, at om or something like that like you but know. he's the record older right of, of exactly yeah yeah yeah, the yeah. First team. yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's a legend i mean exactly he's he's a legend, not the best so. keeper ever but he's he's a legend yeah. Exactly. And exactly. and Paul Lopez is true. You, you look at him, you think he, he, he doesn't look convincing. Uh, uh, but he's, he's exactly what, what's needed for for some Pauli, at least so far. So uh, let's see. But yeah, he's been um, he's been brilliant at, at this specific role that that we want from. Uh, yeah, from yeah. A, from and Matthew. I think uh, uh, f- from what some some fans of uh, of Betis Sevilla were saying uh, 
the one is it's already a, f a few years back but the one season he had there when he was very good people were saying he was maybe the best uh, keeper in the league on that season or, or one of the top top three in la liga so Mm. So I, I, you know, he, he's 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 not a bad keeper. I, I think he's he's not a bad pick at all, considering um, considering we the options we had. I I, I still think it's a, it's a good pick, personally. Okay. And who who are your 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 favorite players or the one you want to highlight apart from? Oh well, you know, like you, I won't be original. Like uh, Payet, um, Ganduzi, very very satisfying. Uh, and uh, Rongier, even though he still has some Rongier. limitations, very, oh, very cool. satisfying also. Oh, um, cool. And Paulo Lopez, maybe this top five, like uh, a, a, a few guys per, per line. It's a pity that uh, that uh, Milik is uh, is a, is a, so far a disappointment, at least in the in Ligue 1. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's not uh, it's not easy for uh, for um, for a striker to come back after two long injuries like that, like. Back-to-back -back injuries and etc. But yeah, of course, it's 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 so far it's disappointing. We also know that, as Alex has told, there is also reason for that. It's maybe not uh, uh, fed enough uh, enough uh, balls for for him to to exploit. Um, but yeah, these five or six guys I I, I found very satisfying uh, so far. And, and I would add just a little something on Rongier, actually. I mean, the guy I always love Rongier because I just love his energy. I think he just totally get the team going just usually in the way you used to play with with AVB was just like you know that kind of press and getting the ball into uh in the other team while they were trying to build up and so on and just making a lot of difference and a lot of momentum in the team and here he came in a very different role obviously starting a right back and uh, uh where he didn't have any of his of, of his bearings and he, he just learned it really quickly and then you're obviously, you know, pushing hard and going all the way to the box pretty much when he had some some few uh, shooting and, and goal opportunities. Um, but what's really good now in in the way, and I talk a lot about it, but in the build-up when we go through through Rangier, he's just there and it's him and Genduzi are the one creating everything. The intelligence of these two guys when they have the ball and usually when they're under pressure is just so good. The way they rotate, the way they move. You see a lot of times they will be at right back and Ranger will move in the midfield and so on. I think that they've both been amazing. And I've seen a side of Ranger that I didn't see before with AVB. With AVB, I saw a lot more energy and motor than anything else. And here with some Paoli and the way he's used, you could see all his intelligence, all his movement and so on. And I think that was quite impressive. Yeah, yeah, very, very, very true. And sorry, before I, I let you uh, talk, Stefan, but just before I forget, we also forget to mention uh, Saliba, who has been, you know, considering the guy is 20 years old, he's been he's been very solid uh, defender for us. And uh, and Khaled Atsar, you know, who came back from uh, from nowhere, really, like came back from uh, from the graveyard. Or, or almost, <laughs> we, we thought totally. <laughs> we yeah, yeah, we thought it was it was done for him. Like we thought his story as OM was was over, and uh, and he he came very strongly. So even if the reason for for the the reason why he came back was maybe like trying to show to show him to other clubs so that we could eventually sell him uh, like uh, now in the in the winter mercato. But even if that was the reason, in the end, it was a good move. So so props for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be kind of bored and actually um, and say, well, I'm not going to say Pyatt because as much as I think Pyatt's been great, I don't, I think, I think um, 
I don't think he's. Uh, I don't think he's been as, as great as how as some people feel. For me, like he, yes, he is still like the main man of the team, but I don't. I don't think his like performances are comparable with some of his greatest years, um, which is what some seem to think. I don't know. I just don't see it the same way. But yeah, um, I, so I wasn't going to pick him actually. I was going to pick Gunduzi as um, my sort of number one. To be honest, I, I just I'm really really impressed with him every time I watch him. In fact, I think every game I see him, he seems better than the game before. Um, he is just everywhere. He just doesn't stop running. He's his passing is great. His you know defensive qualities are good. I, I you know he's like it's not just his his vision and his intelligence. It's his his mental strength is 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 very apparent on the pitch. He is someone who is carrying the team. He's a leader. I'm really, really impressed with him. I really enjoy watching him. And I, I just can't... I wasn't really following him, you know, before he came to Marseille. I wasn't... I hadn't really seen him much, so I didn't know too much about his game. I'd seen him a couple of times at Arsenal a couple of years, a few years ago, but not when he was younger, but not much. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I was quite surprised by how good he's been because uh, I was expecting him to be a bit more kind of cuisance-esque, you know, someone who was talented youngster has probably kind of fallen off a bit but not at all he's really like impressed me how well he's adapted to to the club and the environment and maybe you could say the pressure I don't know how much pressure they're feeling right now but you know normally we think of it as quite a, a high pressure environment to play in but yeah he seems to just be it's like I don't know like a what's the expression a, I don't know, fishing water, I suppose, or, or something. Yeah, he just seems to be in his element. So he's he's re- really impressed me. I even if we are going to get him on the cheap with the option to buy, I think something like is it fourteen million euros or something like that. I'm not sure. Twelve, yes, twelve. Um, I mean, we're going to get big offers for him sooner or later. So I don't think I think we'll, if he keeps playing like this, we won't be able to keep him. You know, beyond a couple of seasons, I can't, I can't imagine. Um, he's that good. But uh, yeah, so I was going to pick him, and yeah, I was going to maybe I was thinking Saliba, but yeah, I think you made a good point actually. Maybe Chiletasa deserves a shout more because of him kind of sort of coming back from the dead. Really, um, he's definitely um, in line for when we do our end of season awards. He's definitely in line for the Revenant <laughs> our um, <laughs> um, comeback player. Um, he might not last until the end of the season. Yeah, he right? might get sold, isn't it? But yeah, so he's. He's, I think he, he he deserves a shout as well. Um, and then in terms of flops, I think it's much harder actually. But, you know, like some of the players that are flops, I have an issue with because there's players that I don't like stylistically that are doing quite well. <laughs> like, you know, like Paul Lopez and Chengiz and just, I can't find them as flops as, as much as they're not, you know, they're not players that I'm a big fan of. I've always said that, that I had some sort of... Um, quibbles or issues with them um, but the players that are doing particularly bad there's some of them that I do really like which is <laughs> I feel a little bit kind of conflicted here to say that so like someone like Gerson for example who's been very poor for much of the season um, although, although very good in some recent games um, I really like his style to be honest I quite enjoy watching him and I, I just see a, I see quality there um, he's like King- Marmite's yeah, they love him he's or hate that, him. He's, he's got he's got that kind of sort of quality that you see, and I know these sort of comparisons are really 
um, misleading. I don't want to say he's like those players, but like um, you know, it's, you know, you get guys like I obviously say Zidane, but like maybe someone like Johan Gurkuf. There's a kind of sort of technical brilliance in him that he can just kind of, but he. He, he, he might be. He has the ball for such um, for such little time, but can do something very quite um, impressive or um, I suppose joyful to watch within that um, small moment where he has possession. There's just something quite um, spectacular about that. I, I, I think he's got something special, but he's been shit to be honest for most of the season. So <laughs> I'm a bit, yeah, so that's a hard one. I want to pick him as a top. To be fair, uh... but I can't. Um, yeah. To be fair, Steph, if you if you uh, apart from from OM, if you if you watch a lot of uh, Premier League, let's say that uh, Gerson is not your typical uh, Premier League profile as a player. He's uh, he's a bit more slow and a bit like mm-hmm. covering his ball and etc. Like technical, but uh, but not in a not in a typical uh, uh, British or English uh, way, maybe so. Yeah. It, 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 it's funny because I, I really like him when he doesn't have the ball. So I, <laughs> I, I, I love his movements. I love his run. I love when he comes in the box and all that kind of stuff. When he's in the middle of the pitch and he gets the ball and turn around and slows it down and put the sole of the you know of of, of the foot on the ball and oh no, you love time. I, I find it like it's not the right thing. So mm. so it's funny. I, I find him a, a very, very hard player to to judge. You could see the potential and you could see some of the goal he scored like against Snarl. He gets the ball, flick it up and then a, pretty much like a volley um, and to, to score the ball. That, that, was that, was that, was, that was amazing. That was amazing. You could see the skill. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Let's hope like, we, we, we'll see the yeah, best he, of him or, or at least better of him like... Uh, uh, yeah. In the remaining of the season, now he's, he's having a proper break finally, um, and maybe like, maybe once again he'll be a bit higher when he comes back. But let's let's say like let's hope from uh, from uh, fe- end of February to to the end of the season he'll be he, he will help us uh, get top three and um, and do something in cups and etc. I, I have, I have the, confidence, the, quiet the confidence. Point, Milik, like like uh, because. You could see when he plays with Milik, it just doesn't work. Um, yeah, while when he plays without Milik and Payas false nines, then he, he can get into the box and it's pretty much him the nine. Because mm-hmm. honestly, I saw Jason uh, on on Wednesday and it was a game where you know he put Milik on and they were both on form because Jason scored you know a few weeks before and Milik scored three in the in the cup. Jason was awful. Didn't move at all. Didn't know where to go. He had to go on the left to compensate for Pay. Couldn't do anything. And in second half, when Sampali took Milikov, um, Jason didn't do anything either. He was just wasn't there. And it feels like when Milik is around with Pay, they're all like in the middle, and it's just not quite connecting. Mm. So all comes back to which I think is a flop so far, as we said, not just because of his play, but Milik. He's a flop currently. I think there's no two ways about it. And what what kind of game do we want to play? Like Milik was good last year when we had Lirola on one side crossing for him, or and we had Luis Enrique usually for the last 15 minutes crossing for him from from the other side. And now we don't have any crosses. <laughs> so um, yeah, that's, that, that's what, what do we want to do with Milik? Uh, and then goes in a way to what we're going to do with Amecato. Are we going to buy a left winger? 
And if we do buy one, do we want someone like Under who comes in and, and shoots uh, and shots himself, try to score? Uh, or do we want a guy that just go on his left and cross for Milik? So uh, it would be interesting to see. We definitely don't need a guy like Milik. I, I, I think we talked about this in the last episode. Um, yeah, I, I think that's, yeah, that's not, he's not the right for the player for this kind of system that's shown and his one yeah. goal in 10 games in the league is just not good enough for a striker for this club and for a striker like him with his quality who earns what he does you know that's that's really telling isn't it um his uh, i know he scored goals in europe but um yeah he's clearly he's clearly not settled in in, in that system um, and to give you credit stefan you always say you thought we needed a number nine that was very mobile very quick and and you know could could surprise the defense instead of the of the big guy and i think that's very true like, there's so many so many games that we have the ball and then you know it's it's compact we just get pretty much in the box and you know 10 uh, 20 players are there in that box pretty much and, and you need you need this quick movement um I would say, you know, you need a Kunagero who would do that little move and, you know, uh, explode and, and then do that shot. Or to put something more in context, more like a, a Gamero of his younger days, you know, that, that kind of quick guys who could just make a difference in a few steps. And we just don't have that at the moment. Mm. OK, um, I think maybe just we'll, we're kind of like um, getting quite late. So just um, maybe we'll move on. Um to just thinking ahead so we've got the January transfer window coming up and there's kind of a lot of rumours about players that might be leaving so we talked about Kamara in the last couple of podcasts he's not renewing it looks like he might even be sold in January lots of clubs particularly in the Premier League Newcastle Man United coming in for him um, supposedly so it looks like we could we could sell him for as little as like 10 million euros or as much as 10 million euros Um I find it hard to believe personally, but um, okay. but uh, well, in terms of the amount, from pure logic, of... from from pure logic, that in the sense that that the main reason why he himself would like to to not sign again and to leave as a free agent is because that way he would be able to sign um uh, uh how do you call that in English like to you know to sign um a prime de signature like uh, yeah big bonus yeah very substantial bonus. We're talking about five million, eight million, or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which you know, basically, like would uh, basically like uh, protect his family, and uh, you know, would uh, would be like life-changing money. Totally. And um, and I don't really see big clubs. You know, if clubs would actually pay eight or ten million, or five, let's say five millions plus for him at the moment to buy his last six months of contract, then you could also think that they'll be less eager to to give him a big bonus. So. I have a problem to imagine that, but but personally, it's it's only like um, what I find logical or, or or illogical or logical. I have no information whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fine. Um, so what, I guess what, like no one is surprised by that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, um, that's fine. Um, I was just thinking though, like so with him, like there's a lot of rumors about him, but there's actually a lot of other rumors about other players that could be leaving, um, and we've heard that. McCourt, um has said that he doesn't. They're not going. He's not going to invest in signing any players until they've got to let. They've got to ship some players out first. Um, so we've seen rumours that Milik could go. I don't know. How, I mean, I don't know how concrete this is, but that's just um, giving you a sense of what kind of rumours are floating around. So Milik's one that's been 
linked her move away back to Italy. We've seen um, Alvaro today, um, rumours that he could have his contract terminated and that he could sign for Bordeaux, uh, which is a bit bizarre because we gave him a new deal in the summer, but that's classical M, isn't it? Um, uh, who else? There's a few others. Yeah, he's out of the picture. Luis Enrique could go out on loan. We're, we're told as could Conrad. Um, so there's a number of players that could leave, and then there's also rumour. Like, I think I saw today that I think it was in the keep that um, there's three players, these positions that we could look to strengthen. So I think there's like left wing, central defence, and the other one is. What was it? Uh, um, left back, isn't it? Left back, left central defence and left wing. Left, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, like I don't know, like what he's expecting in January. Are you expecting who? Are you expecting departures or arrivals, and who do you think we might see come or go? Go for it, Alex, because I, I don't have much to say about that. <laughs> no, no problem. Um, look, I think I think there's a fair chance that Camara could go because he would if he has the right club. So we're talking like a Man United or something like that. And it's a club that would be also willing to pay a huge bonus to him. So maybe not the kind of eight million he could hope for, but if they come with a five or with a six, maybe in a way it would be his way to also, you know, repay OM. And if it's for a big club like a Man United, or if he wants the, the money and they sell the idea of the project at Newcastle, it's maybe not impossible. Uh, and Newcastle would definitely definitely pay pay him a big bonus as well. So I think it's, it's there's a fair chance for him to go, and I think Chalitasha will is also one who could leave because you know we've been trying to sell him for uh, for a while now, and a lot of team who have money and struggling defensively will look at him like a like a good option. He's not really my cup of tea. I've never really been a fan of Chalitza's child, to, to be honest. I always find him that he's, he's extremely cautious. And if he has a, you know, if you play a very high up defense like some Paoli usually does, I think, you know, he kind of struggle with all the space, in, 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 you know, behind him. But he's been, he's been really good for us this season. Uh, last year was very different, but he's been really good for us this season. So he will attract interest. Especially from the Premier League, you know, you could see he has a good, a good feed, he's a good passer of the ball, he's strong, he's physical. So I think we could get some money out of him uh, this winter. And I think the other ones like uh, Amavi or, or maybe um, uh, Alvaro, I don't think we'll make any money out of this, but we just save a bit of their salary because they have actually, both of them have a decent salary. And that would free enough space for us to get the kind of recruits that Pablo wants, which I'm sure is like a... 18 year old from uh, uh, Nicaragua that we've never heard of, or something like this. <laughs> um, so yeah, in, in a way, I, I think it, it'd be good. We just need to make sure that we uh, uh, we get the structure of the team well. We definitely need someone on the left, either a, a left back who could go forward, but that doesn't seem to be the the way Sampaoli wants to play. But at least then a left winger who can create a difference because. Um, Conrad and Luis Enrique haven't be able to to create anything. And Jiang is a very specific kind of kind of player. He's not really a winger, so we really need someone for that left side. But then if you lose Kamara, you need someone in in the midfield to be able to to kind of uh, stop this counter attack and and be very clever in his movement in a way to to protect the you know our very high defense. 
So that will be hard to find. Uh, we just have to, to trust Pablo and he's been good for us lately. So uh, let's see. Do you know what? Like I, um, I, I'm finding it hard to, to understand the logic in trying to make much changes right now, given that we're in such a good position to finish in the podium. You think you'd want some stability, so just keep, keep the squad intact and, and then and wait till the summer. But um, if, if maybe the financial situation is that pressing that we have to ship players out now, but if we're shipping players out to bring players in, then I think it's best just to not do anything because why, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Like, why would we just tinker around with the squad right now if we're doing pretty well? Um, so, yeah, I actually don't think much will happen, but it does look like Kamara is probably going to leave because of his contract situation. It does look like we're probably going to just accept a really low bid for him um, to avoid losing him for nothing. So in that, I mean, I've made my feelings not on this podcast about that before, so I, I won't go into detail, but I'm obviously disappointed about that. But, you know, it's you guys were right. It's, um, it's kind of the relationship's just kind of like gone a bit um, stale and he's not performing so well anyway right now. Um, so, yeah, I expect maybe him to go, but I don't actually think we'll sell anyone else. Um, I, I think it would be a surprise if if, if we see two first team two or three first team players leave, um, and if we do, yeah, like you would hope that we would sign people um, to replace them. But I don't actually have that much expectation that we will bring anyone in or anyone notable. I know that there's like there's been names and uh, some interesting names uh, in the press. Like I know like um, like. I mean, I don't know, unrealistically, we've been linked to like forwards like Alva, Julian Alvarez, River, or Anthony Martial. But we're not. I don't. We're not going to get any of these guys, and I don't really understand why. We Martial, I think it's out of our reach, like yeah, financially. Of course, yeah, and I don't really understand why those the guy has a substantial, uh, substantial wage. Yeah, yeah, mm. but yeah, I don't. I don't really know why we would be looking at that anyway, because if we want a left winger and not one who prefers to play up front, you know. Um, so it's strange, um, and then like I think it was the the we were linked to Amadou Diawara from Roma, like I guess really similar to Camara, um, but I just I just can't really see anything like that happening. But we'll just have to wait and see. I wouldn't be surprised if there's just nothing, no income, no income comings and no outgoings in, in January, um, which would probably be the best thing for us, to be honest. I, I think Pablo likes to do transfers, and I think things will happen. Yeah, uh, I think so too. I, 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 I reckon, look, if you can get 10 million for six months of Camara, I know potentially you could miss out on the Champions League because of that. But I think they will roll the dice and they'll think that they would be able to either bring someone or find a way to play a little bit differently. 10 million for six months, you just can't say no in the state we are. Um, <clears throat> and I think there might be one defender leaving. If Alvaro is leaving, I think we might keep Duje. If Duje leaves, then maybe uh, Alvaro stays. I think could could be something like that because we have Balerdi as well uh, who can play good enough for a first-team OM. Um, so if there's some good deal to be done, and I'm sure Pablo is just looking forward to bring all some new youngster, youngsters or uh, uh, exciting players who've been on the bench for some top clubs or something like that, I think he's, he's ready to pull the trigger. So let's see. I, th- I think we'll, we'll, see some, uh, we'll see some moves. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I ideally I, I would say like uh, to complete a bit what Alex said like if you talk about profiles of levers or, or commerce um, maybe if we could get rid of fringe players like Alvaro or um, and Amavi for example and maybe like then if it has to be one key player I hope it's not going to be Camara personally and as, and as I said I, I kind of disagree with you guys um, I think he's going to stay until the end of the of the season for the reasons I said, but we'll see about that. Um, except, if, of course, there is a deal, and I'm not aware of it. But um, and apart from that, then if 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 uh, Duye has to go, for example, like I think Duye would still be a good option because he's important. He still has value, but he's not that important. And it, also, as Alex said, he's not exactly the profile that we would need with San Paolian, etc. And it's the same for 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 newcomers. Like I hope there's, there there'll be like a few gambles or, or young players. But if we lose one key player, I'll hope we'll get. A, or if Milik goes, I hope we'll get like a one key player uh, to to replace that. But we all know it just that's not an easy thing to get in the in the winter mercato. It's most of the time it doesn't work out. So so yeah. you know we'll see about that. But um yeah. It's it's gonna be interesting to see what happens. Okay. The key yeah. is how desperate are some of the teams. You know, if Newcastle comes and put, I don't know, twenty twenty five million on on Chalette chart, which is not mm-hmm. impossible, yeah, then, not. then 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 you say yes, right? It just depends on how much this kind of. If if Man United comes with with ten or ten plus million for Camara. And Camara is keen to go to United, and he still gets his bonus, which is which is not impossible. Then, then obviously you can't say no. So a lot of it will depend on these big money clubs, especially from the Premier League, mm-hmm. coming and maybe Amavi still has maybe Amavi still has some sort of a, of a, of a value or a, you know reputation in in England. You could hope that. Uh, Maybe a championship team will want him, or a, or a lower uh, Premiership, something like that. I think I think he yeah. does because left back is a position. Yeah, where it's not easy to it's get. It's really hard to find players. You could see Kurzawa has been re-signed for PSG. Yeah. <laughs> he's yeah, a, yeah, yeah. So shocking player. It <laughs> just shows Again? how difficult it is to 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 to, to find a, a a left back. And it's I not think, easy to play. I mean, if if you guys have ever played a football manager. It's, it's something you notice actually quite fast. Like uh, these are the hardest, these are the hardest <laughs> players to get. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I think for Amavi, and maybe that's the idea of of, of Pablo. It's like okay, we, we'll sign him for free, we'll resign him, you just pay his salary uh, again for another three years or whatever. But you know, if it works fine, if it doesn't, I'm sure we'll be able to sign him for. For a few millions, I'm not sure uh-huh. we'll get much, but already, you know, you're selling yeah, to five. In that light, it's not that that crazy anymore. Though. And his, his salary is, is big for us, but it's not big for a Premier League team. So, um, so yeah, I think it's it's an option as well. Okay, uh, I think we're going to call it a night. Actually, it's, um, it's getting on, and uh, yeah, I think we've probably covered everything I thought we would cover tonight. So, yeah, uh, thanks very much, guys, for getting together. Um, and hope you all have a good new year. Happy New Year. Good, Thank good you. Holiday period. Yeah. Thank and you very much. Quiet, man. Thank you very much. Happy New Year, everyone. Yeah, Happy and we'll year. try get something out, I guess, in January when the season sort of kicks off again. We'll yeah, probably 
Um, maybe I think Bordeaux is coming up soon. It's quite a big Hopefully game. With a winger, yeah. Bordeaux, we, we yeah. have, so that would be a great podcast. That would be nice. Yeah. yeah. Oh God, yeah, because it would end the the, the unbeaten <laughs> run, isn't it? It would be a first for 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 all of us. Like we've never seen. Uh, my lifetime. <laughs> now's the time. They are. Shit. I'm I'm now old, but I'm but I've still never seen a, a victory at Bordeaux. So no, no, that would be a nice one. Okay, well let's look forward to that. If we if we beat them, we're definitely podcasting after that. Um, okay, so um, yeah, um, see yeah. you all next time. Thanks bye bye. Bye bye.